Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast. This is your host, Timmy Douglas, and the goal of this podcast is to create a community that inspires action, accountability, celebrates progress, and helps people make the right connections to take that next step towards their dreams and goals. If you're looking for any one-on-one coaching to pinpoint your purpose and start taking steps in that direction, make sure to contact me on my website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, or on social media. On that note, let's get into the show. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Billy Lar, who is the host of the Mindful Midlife Crisis, which is a podcast for people navigating the complexities and possibilities of life's second half. Billy, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on the show. Of course, man. Thanks for coming on. And we like to jump right in. So you start with telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you like to do for fun. That'd be great. Ooh, all right. So uh, I'm actually in Seoul, South Korea right now. And I quit my job back in September of 2021 so I could travel around. Like I've, I'm single, never married, no kids. So I guess you could say I'm living the dream. <laughs> I have a lot. I have a lot of flexibility. I, I don't have the same responsibilities that other people have. I kind of like to throw that out there just in case people are like, yeah, but you know, you don't have the same response. I get it. I don't have the same responsibilities that everybody has. But at the same time, a lot of the things that we'll talk about here today are applicable to everybody, regardless of your situation. But you know, I, I worked in education for 21 years. I taught English for 15 years and I worked as a dean of students for six. And, you know, the thing is, when you're a dean of students, <laughs> you're always the bad guy. Nobody likes the dean of students. I mean, they make movies about the dean of students being the bad guy. Right. And so that's what I was, is I was constantly delivering bad news to people. And I, I just got tired of it because the people are always upset with you and I just, I didn't want to be around that anymore. And I'd always wanted to travel overseas. And, you know, I even thought about teaching overseas for a while. And so when my, my dog passed away in April of 2020, and I was like, all right, now I can make plans for this leave of absence that I can go on. And I would, you know, thought about possibly returning back to my job in education, but there just wasn't going to be a way for me to transition back into that position after this traveling experience. So I I went to Portugal for two months. I went to Spain for two weeks. I took a little side trip to Dakar, Senegal, because it's my goal to paddleboard off the coast of every single continent. And then I came back to the United States for a while, went to Puerto Vallarta, Mexico for a month, came back to the States, and then went to South Korea. When I was in Seoul, I made a lot of great connections through this meetup hiking group. And I want to talk about the importance of socializing a little bit later here. But the people that I met through that hiking group in Seoul just kind of changed my my whole outlook on life. And I was only planning on being in Korea for another like two weeks after my month in Seoul. But it would have felt incomplete had I left. So I went to Jeju Island for 10 days. I went to Busan for a week. And during that time, in those two weeks, I figured out a way to stay in South Korea for another month. 
And so I went back to Seoul and stayed there for an extra month and really deepened those relationships that I had made earlier. And I liked it so much that when I went back to the United States, I put my condo on the market, sold it, and came right back for the fall. And if you can spend spring and fall in Seoul, you've kind of hit the jackpot because that's when it's really beautiful. Now it's getting a little chilly here now, but my next stop is Thailand and then Singapore and then Japan. So I'm continuing the Mindful Midlife Crisis World Tour for the next couple of months. And then, you know, when I, I'm sure around July, I'm going to have to make some grown up decisions but right now <laughs> right now i'm just on the 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 roller coaster of of life at this point and and enjoying the ride gotcha and so correct me if i'm wrong did this start in 2020 and it's been going since cuz i know you you had some bouncing back and forth there yeah in 2021 september of 2021 is when i left for for portugal the planning process started in 2020 after my dog passed away because then I was like, okay, if I'm going to take this leave, I can't, I can't request the leave until October of 2020, and I can't take the leave until September of 2021. I and then, uh, yeah, the, everything worked out. So it's uh, it's going well. Things are going well. I'm I'm really enjoying the experience. And people are like, well, is this your eat, pray, love? First of all, no, because that book is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I have a lot of issues with that book. This is not my eat, pray, love moment. This is more of an opportunity to have different experiences that I than I have had before. But I'm really enjoying making new connections with people and and embracing some of the aspects of my personality that I don't feel got to be highlighted or that, that got to flourish when I was back in Minnesota. And so it's, it's just really been a freeing experience in that regard. And which parts of your personality are those? Well, so, so I'm a, I'm an avid mindfulness practitioner. I'm actually in the process of earning my mindfulness teacher certification. And I practice mindfulness so that I can be this level of obnoxious because I have a lot of energy and I'm a pretty intense individual. And in Minnesota, I'm pretty direct as well. And in Minnesota, that can rub people the wrong way. And I have had to learn how to manage that and and dial it down a little bit in korea people like direct people like and i have surrounded myself here with people who embrace that energy and embrace that intensity and gravitate towards it whereas when i was working in high school i think i think that energy was resisted hmm. and uh and i get it i get it like like you know you're a teenager you, you don't want someone you, you know who with with my kind of energy delivering bad news to you i get it but here i feel like i've kind of been reborn and i've had opportunities to do things like mc 
a live music event. I've had opportunities to organize events around soul, almost like I'm a tour guide. My dream job would be to, to be a tour guide. I love that kind of stuff. I love people taking people around to places that they've never been to before and showing them, you know, Hey, check this out. And that sort of thing. And there's still the teacher in me. And I've had those opportunities here and it's really, you know, filled my cup, so to speak, in terms of how much I get to enjoy my life doing these kinds of things. And I, I know that when things shift around and, and maybe I have a few more responsibilities on my plate, that maybe I won't be able to do those things as often. But now that I've, now that I've felt this, I know that it's going to be important for me to maintain those certain aspects in my life. And I think that's another thing too that, that it's important to talk about is that particularly as people get older, and they maybe they get married or maybe they have a partner or maybe they have kids that those things become priorities which they should but then the things that they used to do were that they would enjoy those things fall to the wayside and then the marriage and the kids and the job become all consuming and then and then that's that's all that life is and there really is so much more to life is that easy for me to say yes it's very easy for me to say and i recognize that but at the same time i also want to encourage people to not lose those interests that they had or at least seek out new interests new challenges make new connections and for men approaching middle age that is crucial that is crucial because men at middle age is what research is showing is that the number of close friends that we have is is dwindling and we're becoming more and more isolated and that is not a good thing yeah yeah i love that and i love how you are just urging people to keep in touch with those interests because really what that's doing is keeping in touch with yourself and i think when people are trying to fill up the other cups of their life, when their cup is empty, that's when you lead to that burnout, that stress, that anger that tears marriages apart, that traumatizes children, that like does all the stuff that we all um, don't talk about enough, aren't honest about enough. And so it is really important to make room for the things that are important to you outside of like um, anybody else's expectations of you, if that makes sense. So I really like that you point that out. But now I want to jump into your motivation. What really gets you up and keeps you going every day? Making connections. I just, I really look forward to socializing. I really enjoy, like I enjoy being a guest on a podcast. I enjoy hosting my podcast. Those connections and, and just thriving in a social element are things that I really, really enjoy. So what motivates me is knowing that at some point in time, I get to connect with somebody and we get to talk about either something that, that I'm passionate about or something that they're passionate about. And 
we can learn from each other and we can challenge each other and we can reflect and grow those sorts of things. I really enjoy that piece. I'm still very passionate about teaching. That's still something that I'm really passionate about. I just don't want to do it in a high school setting anymore. I did it for 21 years, so I'm good. <laughs> you know, and, and maybe that's why I don't want to have kids either. It's just like I had thousands of kids that I dealt with every single day. And the best part of it was when they went home. I mean, and that's not the best part of it, but you know, it's it's the piece that is just like I got to just sort of chill and and regroup. And I give a lot of credit to to parents. Like I, parenting is really, really difficult just as an observer, right? And I think what what helped me is that I got to be objective in a lot of those situations because I just saw the things as here's here's what happened, here's the information that I have, and and you know, here's the consequence. And it's difficult for parents to separate the emotion from the situation because you want to think that your kid didn't do a certain thing or wouldn't behave a certain way. And it's like, listen, the kid made a mistake. They're going to get a consequence for it. What's more important here is like the stain on their record, quote unquote, or learning from the experience and and moving on from the experience through growth so that if they're faced with a situation like this again, that they know how to, how to conduct themselves in a more appropriate manner, in a more respectful manner. So that teaching aspect is still really important to me. And that's what I look forward to in terms of, of being a mindfulness teacher. And I, I keep kind of coming back to this is like, I feel like I'm the mindfulness teacher that people who are high intensity need to have. Because if I'm running, you know, with this much energy, how am I still able to like keep myself from burning out or how am I able to keep myself from from overloading or overheating? And I do it through mindfulness. And it's not to say that I don't you know, overheat from time to time. But through my mindfulness practice, I have been able to recognize when that is occurring so that I don't get so far in the red that my engine blows, so to speak. I got you. Well, tell us about your mindfulness practice. I feel like everybody's wanting to hear about it right now. Yeah. So, you know, I'll, I'll kind of give you the, the backstory of it all. In, in 2012, 2013, I was really struggling with my mental health at that time to the point where I was having frequent anxiety attacks. Sunday, The Sunday scaries hit me all the time. I was not sleeping well, and I was experiencing bouts of depression that were leading into suicidal ideation. And... I remember distinctly, it was in February of 2013, and it was a Saturday, and I was supposed to go to a friend's birthday party. And I thought to myself, all right, I'll leave at 7 o'clock, I'll get to this party about 7.30, yada, yada, yada. Well, at 6.51 p.m., and I don't know why I still remember the time, but I do, but at 6.51 p.m., I had this anxiety attack. And when I have anxiety attacks, it feels like a boa constrictor wrapping around me. And 
then my shoulders will lurch forward and my hands will crinkle up and my heart will start racing. I'm not able to, to breathe naturally. And I don't know how long this lasted, but it exhausted me. I was just, it was emotionally and physically spent having, you know, having come out of that anxiety attack that I texted my friend and said, you know what? I, I'm not feeling well. I'm not going to make it to the party tonight. Sorry. And I woke up the next day and I was like, what the hell is wrong with me? Because it was a weekend. Like I, when I, you know, usually sh shouldn't work be what's stressing me out. So why is this carrying over into the weekend? And this was a party that I was really looking forward to. These were friends that I was really looking forward to seeing. So I knew that at that point in time, like I, I really needed help. And I was very fortunate that my best friend has his PhD in forensic neuropsychology. And so there was a, a therapist office right around the corner from me. And so I researched that and I sent him a list of the therapists there. And I said, listen, you know me best. Take a look at these qualifications and tell me which of these therapists is the best fit for me because like, I need help right now. And so he sent over a name, Mindy Ben Dixon. So I signed up with Mindy Ben Dixon. And one of the first things that I told her was, you know, I, I don't want to do medication. I want to be able to do talk therapy without medication. And I, maybe I can maybe talk about that a little bit later too. But she said, no, we're going we're gonna to use something called mindfulness in order to help you navigate your anxiety and this depression and understand, you know, where it's coming from and more importantly, how to manage it when you start having these emotions. And I was going to her twice a month and I went for six months and I found, you know, I'm feeling pretty good. And I, I was still having anxiety attacks, but they were less intense. I was able to identify where in my body that they would begin and self-talk in a way where I was able to manage them and keep them at bay. And when the next school year started, I, I would my, my sophomores, I had them for two years, so I would have them as freshmen and I would have them as sophomores as well. And I remember it was around October. And one of my students said, Mr. Lart, you seem like you're in a better mood this year. And that was it. I mean, the fact that it was so palpable that they felt it was, was all the evidence that I needed that this mindfulness practice that, that, you know, that, I, was, that I was using that I had implemented, that I had cultivated into my life was having an impact, not just on me, but my relationships with other people, my presence in a classroom. And so, you know, it, it, it then became a, a sense of gratitude in that I wanted to share this experience of mindfulness with others. And so, I got more and more curious about it, and I took, a, I took a class with another teacher who was at my high school. She was leading it because she had gone through the mindfulness. Uh, she had her own mindfulness practice as well, 
And through that, I got referred to Mindful Schools, and they have a Mindfulness Fundamentals course. So I did that. And then following that Mindfulness Fundamentals course, they also have a, a Mindful Teachers Essentials course. And you could complete that. And in completing that, then you could lead mindfulness exercises, mindfulness lessons in your classroom. And I thought, listen, if, if this is having an impact on me, it most likely is going to have an impact on my students as well. Now, they didn't respond to it in the way that I was hoping that they would. And I think, I think it's because they saw it as therapy and, and some of them weren't, weren't open to that yet. Right. And, and I get that. And in hindsight, in hindsight, I think that I would have tried to approach that a little bit differently. Um, it didn't go as, as, as smoothly as I had hoped. And I think the other part of that too, is that I didn't have the knowledge base or enough experience with it to present it in a way where, where they received it. And I get that now. It's, but I continued my mindfulness practice here for, for years, you know, since, since 2013 and you know, when I moved out of education, there was still this desire to want to teach. And again, this, this idea of, of extending gratitude for the opportunities and, and for the, the experiences that I had and the ability to, to reflect, learn, and grow from all of these experiences, I attribute that to my mindfulness. And that's why I wanted to get this, this mindful teacher certification. And, you know, I, the part of the reason why I started the podcast is because I wanted to bring more awareness to mental health, particularly men's mental health. I wanted to bring more awareness to social emotional learning and how that can have a positive impact on our day-to-day -day lives and how we navigate getting older because getting older is a transition and you know changing that the language around a midlife crisis to a midlife pivot and or a midlife transition and how do we how do we transition how will we have to transition through awareness because we don't make transitions without awareness. Because if we do make transitions without awareness, then we're either still stuck doing the same things and seeing the world in the same way, or, or, or we just stop growing. We stop being curious. And I think as soon as we stop being curious, whether it's in relationships, whether it's with ourselves, whether it's with the things that we enjoy, whether it's with our children, whether it's in our careers, the second that we stop being curious is the second that we stop enjoying life and the second that we stop growing in life. And mindfulness, part of that is to approach each practice with openness, curiosity, and non-judgment. And though those all sound like simple concepts, the brain does what the brain does. 
and it complicates things. And so in order to kind of train our brain, in order to become more open and more curious, mindfulness allows us to do that. And if people are like, this sounds like a bunch of woo-woo BS, there's, there's research behind this, right? There's research around this and people can look up that research too, because you know, you're developing your prefrontal cortex, which is the part of your brain that regulates emotion. And mindfulness has been shown to, to improve the gray matter or the white matter that's in your prefrontal cortex so that you can regulate the emotion so that your amygdala, which is your animal brain, your fight, flight, or fright response, your, your, your prefrontal cortex can kind of cool that down so that you don't go into reactive mode, but instead you can go into response mode. Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. I think mindfulness, it's something that I've, when I jumped into kind of self-improvement, reading a bunch of books, it kept coming up. Like people would talk about meditation or they'd talk about like, even like repeating words to yourself or just emptying your mind or just being present, going for a walk, feeling nature, whatever it may be, it just kept coming up, kept coming up. And it was the power of now that book by Eckhart Tolle that really did it for me. Cause when he started talking about mindfulness and he started talking about his transformation of how just being in the now really changed his life. It just completely shifted my mind towards mindfulness. So that's awesome, man. Do you have a main mindfulness practice that you do or do you switch it up every now and then? So, I mean, breathing, the breathing is always an anchor, right? So always coming back to your breath because your breath is always present with you because my my terrible joke is if your breath is not with you, you've got bigger problems. It's facts. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so your breathing is an anchor that you can always return to. So I like doing just simple breathing exercises that, that that's kind of my go-to lately though, I've been doing more loving kindness meditations and I've not done these in the past. I think more so because, again, it, it kind of felt a little woo-woo. But, but one of the tenets of mindfulness is compassion. And the idea around compassion is alleviating the suffering of others. And, you know, when I get down to the core of what my why is, Though my why is not necessarily alleviating the suffering of others, my why is more encouraging people to, to reflect, learn, and grow as individuals. When people reflect, learn, and grow as individuals, it alleviates their suffering indirectly, right? So I've been doing this loving-kindness meditation in the morning, uh, I, mean, I I do it in the shower. I, this this is maybe TMI, but I could sit in a shower for thirty minutes to an hour. I just love oh, just being yeah. in the shower. It's it to me. It's kind of like when people hop into a sauna, right? So sauna's too much for me. Shower's just right. So I like to sit in the shower, and I'll, I'll take a very long morning shower. But part of that is a loving kindness meditation. And in that loving kindness meditation, it starts off with me saying, uh, may I feel safe, 
may I feel happy, may I feel healthy, may I feel loved. And, and then I repeat that two more times. And then I call to mind somebody who, who I'm very close to, who I, I, I love. And I say, may that person, I use their name, may that person be safe, may that person feel happy, may they feel healthy, may they feel loved. And then you call to mind somebody who you don't really know, or you're neutral, or you might not even know their name. You might have just saw them on the bus, but you know you, you, they pop into your mind. You do the same thing for them. And where things really get challenging is when you call to mind someone with whom you may have a conflict. And maybe they don't even know that you're in conflict with them. It's just someone that you, you, you feel this, and it's someone someone that you may encounter on on a regular basis and then you extend it to them and then you extend it to the whole world and so doing that you know i hadn't done it in a while and i i did it last week and even just saying the first string of may i feel happy May I feel healthy. May I feel loved. What's interesting is I that's the way I sign off every single episode of the podcast. I always say, you know, thank you for listening to the Mindful Midlife Crisis. May you feel happy, healthy, and loved. Take care, friends. That's how I sign off every episode. For me to start off by saying, may I feel safe. May I feel happy. May I feel healthy. May I feel loved. Elicited an emotional response. That was surprising to me. And you know, I, I've just kind of continued going on with it because it's sort of that that self-affirmation that I am enough. And and self-esteem has certainly been something that I've that I've battled with. That uh and so just kind of reminding myself that I deserve to be safe, that I deserve to be happy, healthy, and loved. And so does that person, and so does that person, and so does this person with whom I am in conflict, and so does the world. That has, that has lightened me up a little bit mm. you know, in, in, in a figurative and... And in a literal sense, where I just you know, I just feel lighter. And so I, I like I like implementing that one as well. But if I need a go-to meditation, it'll be the breath. And <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm actually aware of this now. In the beginning of this interview, I was I was coming in hot. I would it had all sorts of energy. And as I started, as we started talking about mindfulness, then it brought awareness to that energy. And now it, I don't know if you can feel it, but I can feel it with me where I've kind of settled in a little bit. And, uh, and, you know, I'm sure it's probably that, that the jitters about being on the show and, and the uncertainty as to how the show is going to go. And, you know, you've made you've you've made this a very uh a, a very safe space to be on the show and so then i kind of now settled in through just 
unconscious mindfulness, uh, you know, that might even be an oxymoron there, but, but because I'm so accustomed to settling in through a, a mindfulness practice, that now I've unconsciously slowed things down in this interview so that I'm not, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I got you. And I did notice, I did notice. So that is <laughs> interesting that you like brought it out and noticed it yourself. And had Yeah, that. yeah. That's really cool, man. Well, cool. Now we're going to jump into your dreams and goals. So tell us about your vision for the podcast and your vision for your life. Yeah, you know, so I, I had to chuckle when you sent this over to me and I saw dreams because I'm so anti follow your dreams and follow your passions, I think. And so whenever I get that, those are like, when I see dreams and I see passions, those are trigger words for me. So I'm like, uh, but then when, when you talk about what's your vision, now that I like a lot because, because that to me really speaks to it and, and vision then can be, can be laid out in steps and, and you have your goals, that sort of thing. As far as the podcast, you know, I think, I think just like anybody who starts a podcast, you want you want to figure out a way to monetize it in some way, shape, or form. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I'm paying to do my podcast. You know, like I I I have yet to monetize it yet, but I feel really good about the growth of the podcast in the last two years. We uh, you know, by the end of 2022, I am on pace to hit over 30,000 downloads. And I just feel so, so good about that. And I've doubled the number of downloads in 2022 that I had in 2021. And if I can do that again next year, like who knows where this podcast could go? My, I guess my podcasting hero, my podcasting idol is Jordan Harbinger. Okay. And I I love the Jordan Harbinger show. I, I listen at least to one or two episodes a week. The way that he has things set up on his website and the things that he is doing, that's sort of, he has laid out the roadmap for where I want to get in terms of podcasting. Now, you know, am I going to get a million downloads a, a month? Probably not. I mean, maybe 10 years down the road. I mean, it took him 10 years to, to kind of get to that point. He had a head start in terms of, you know, he was he was working in radio. And so he had those kind of connections. But he also talks very much about networking and, and the power of connections. And so for me, it's really important to to maintain the connections that I make, not just on the show, but then around me as well. And being genuine within those, those connections and making sure that I'm providing value to those connections in a multitude of ways, whatever it is that, that they see uh, that, they, that they have a need so that it's not just one way, right? I would at some point love to be able to use the podcast as a way to bring in people who are interested in mindfulness 
so that I can lead mindfulness sessions with them. I very much enjoy presenting. So I would love to be a speaker and presenter at events to talk about mindfulness, to talk about social and emotional awareness. That's, that's kind of my vision right now. And, and, you know, at the same time too, I'm also a certified personal trainer. So combining the mental and physical health component is very important to me. I would love to have, (laughs) I'd love to have my own gym and then in that same facility have a podcast studio as well. In fact, I'd love to have that all in the same house or like, I'd like to have a house and then have it there, but then still have the opportunity to travel like I do. So I was listening to, I was actually listening to the Jordan Harbinger show and Rob Durdeck was on there. You remember Rob Durdeck from like the MTV shows, big and Rob, that kind of thing. Yeah. Wasn't he, um, he's a skateboarder. He's a skateboarder, and he had a really big show on MTV. It was like a... Ridiculousness. A yes, ridiculousness. So, you know, when when listening to him, I I, I kind of almost got a, a, a hint of hustle bro culture, which I, I think is very toxic. But when I listen to him talk about it, it's very genuine. Yeah. And, and he... He really is intentional each and every single day with how he spends his time and how he cultivates relationships. It's really quite impressive. I would encourage people to check out that Rob Durdick interview on the Jordan Harbinger show. Um, but yeah. one thing that he talked about is going into kill mode. And that really resonated with me because... That's kind of how I operate too, where when I am determined to do something, then I will go into kill mode, meaning I'll spend 10, 12 hours a day working on something to make sure that it, that it works, to make sure that it runs smoothly, to make sure that it, that it grows in some way, shape, or form. Now, it has to be something that I'm passionate about. There are definitely things about podcasting that I am not passionate about, particularly around social media. I have no interest really in learning how to manage the social media aspect of of promoting. That's not, those are not things that interest me. I would not spend 12 to 14 hours a day doing that. But there are things that I would do around the podcast for ex- where I would just get into a zone for extended periods of the day and extended weeks into months. But then I want to go into chill mode. And so having traveled around, I think, here for the last two years or going on two years, that's if I can cultivate that life where I can be in kill mode for three months and just crank out things, in a facility where, you know, I, I, I have a home, but then I can do a, the podcast, but then I can also do personal training. That would be, that's the vision that I have right now. That's what I would love to be able to do. But then be able to head out somewhere and travel around for a month or two and experience 
new places or reconnect with friends that I've met while traveling. You know, that a lot of times when you're traveling, you're you're meeting other travelers and you find out that that they live in Sweden or they live in Ireland or they live in Washington, DC. I like to go and spend time with them, but what I'm also finding is that with the luxury of of time that I have right now, I like spending a month in a city so that I can really take my time with it. Because in 2014, 2018, I went to Europe and traveled around with the band Pearl. I didn't travel with Pearl Jam, but I followed Pearl Jam around Europe. I followed them around for two weeks in 2014 and a month in 2018. And it was, I mean, you were following them on their tour. So you're only in a city for two to four days. And as much fun as that was, I really enjoy just being in one city for a month. And I've been in Seoul for three months, and I'm I'll be in I'll be in Osaka for a month. I'll be in Tokyo for for five weeks. I like that kind of travel so that I can do deeper dives, because when I was doing those two to four days, you know, it you try and hit everything in that amount of time. At least I do. Like I, I feel like I feel like. I'm too much of a of a consumer and trying to check things off of my list rather than enjoying the experience. And that's been part of my mindfulness learning too is that you know just enjoy the process cuz I very much am a destination person. That's just kind of how I operate. I like structure. I like knowing when things start and end. I mean, I worked in a school that things, things started and ended at the same time every single day. So that's very much ingrained in me. So part of my, part of my mindful meditation process is enjoying the process a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, so interesting because for me, like I like to travel, I'll say like it's a big, big goal on my list. Young, don't really have the funds to do it right now. And I'm I'm kind of in kill mode right now. Like I'm trying to like really grow stuff and blow stuff up. So travel isn't the highest priority, but in my head, I see myself probably going hard for like a month or two, and then I have to take the rest of the year off. <laughs> like it's it, <laughs> like I'm I love to get out there and do stuff. But I'm also such a homebody. Like I am such a homebody. And so it's just interesting to see somebody who's like, yeah, I can go a month here, a month there, a month there. I'm like, woo, but I'd be wiped. But um, I like the uh, energy behind it. And I can tell that it's like, yeah, this is what you care about. This is how you want to lead your life. And I love that you're going after it. So Yeah, and you know that the the paradox is is that the thing that I miss the most is stability. <laughs> you know, so that's something that I really wish I had more of in my life. But at the same time, I'm willing to, I'm willing to sacrifice that stability or at least create stability in a different way, wherever I am. Yeah. And I, I do that through routines and I do that through structure. Like those things are really, really important to me. Routines are really important to me because I want to start off my morning the same way every single day because then for me it just sort of sets the tone for the rest of the day. Yeah. I want autonomy 
within that structure. I want flexibility within that structure in case I need it. But I mean, you think about the day-to-day, your day-to-day pretty much looks you know, the, the same in terms of you got to get up, you got to do this, you got to do this, yep. right? I mean, your tasks are going to be different, but the, the, as far as like the timeline, most things are pretty much the same. Yep. So then if I can reduce the number of choices that I have to make throughout the day or I mean, that's where decisions come in. When you decide something, you're killing off other options. So my routine comes down to the decisions that I'm going to make, and I'm going to kill off this option. I'm going to kill off that choice. And yes, choices are great, but decisions, in my opinion, lead to progress. Yeah. I'm a big fan of decisions and I'm also a huge fan of fast decisions because, you know, this may not be everybody's philosophy for sure, but just reading a lot of success literature, it's like the there's very seldom are you going to know 100% this is the right decision or 100% this is the wrong decision. So get all the evidence you can and then decide and just go with it and get the feedback and pivot if you need to. But make the decision because being stuck in analysis paralysis is one of the biggest barriers to success, honestly. Um, and, and I can speak to that because that I struggle with paralysis or analysis paralysis all the time. I struggle with the paradox of choice all the time. And generally, you know, I, I'll be honest, I'm not the most efficient person in terms of, I would much rather just do something and learn in in the moment and make adjustments in the moment than then be inactive yep. but at the same time i'm also somebody who like if i'm if i'm planning it for me then my perfectionist uh-huh. will come out and i want everything to be exact because it impacts me directly if it impacts me and a group of people, <laughs> you know, may, maybe I'll sacrifice the experience. And so that we can make, we can make adjustments on the fly, that kind of thing. But if I'm the one who's being impacted, number one, then I want it to be perfect. And so, <laughs> you know, I, I, sometimes I feel like, like that that analysis paralysis does, you're right, does get in the way of progress. And it's just like, dude, just let's just go. Like we've, we've thought about it long enough. Let's just go. Cause yeah. it's in, it's, it's either now or never. And, and you have, you have enough skill, you have enough talent, you have enough knowledge to move forward with it and progress with it. And you just have to do it. You're going to have to do it slower maybe than what you originally wanted. Or you're going to have to make very quick adjustments as you as you go on. You know, and I think when I look at the podcast, right? You know, I I'm at a point now where the last like I'm on season six. So I, you know, each quarter is a season for me. Yeah. Each quarter of the year is a season. And I'm on season six right now, and season six feels really good 
I've really streamlined a lot of things. I'm doing the show solo now. I used to have a co-host. And uh, I'm doing the show solo now. And things have been streamlined. And it makes me look back at the at the first 60-some episodes. And I'm like, Ugh, why didn't I just do this from the beginning? So... But but at the same time, it's like that was all part of the learning process. And, you know, could I, could I have more download numbers than, uh, if I had done it the right way? Yeah. But at the same time, maybe no, because I would have put it off and I wouldn't be here. You know, I wouldn't have 70-some episodes out there. I, I, I might not have even launched. So I'm glad that that I kind of figured it out on the fly but I'm also glad that I've listened to feedback and made adjustments along the way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love the, um, I love the looking back and seeing how far you've come and, you know, there is a little bit of a, Oh, I wish I would have done it sooner, but oh, it's hard for me to listen to old episodes because you know I was the one who edited all those episodes and I'm like, why'd you miss this? Why'd you leave that in there? Oh, it's just like, it's yeah. like, oh, I can't, I can't, I've got to listen to it once and then, and then flush it. But the recent episodes, if people are looking for a place to start, I'd say start at episode 67 and, and, then you can kind of work your way from there. And if people want a starter pack of, hey, what episodes do you recommend? You know, give me a follow on Instagram, mindful underscore midlife underscore crisis. And I'll shoot you a message and just say, here, these are my favorite episodes. These are the fan favorite episodes because not all of them are good. <laughs> <laughs> Feel that. Feel that. Well, awesome. We got a couple more questions for you about dreams and goals. What are the top one to two skills that you need to develop right now to make these dreams and goals come true of like monetizing the podcast, using the podcast to lead to mindfulness events for people who are interested and then being a speaker and presenter at events? What are those skills you need to develop? Yeah, I think discipline plus consistency equals success. Mm -hmm. So, you know, could I be more disciplined? Yes. Could I be more consistent? Yes. So I, I really want to work on on that kind of thing. Um, I think networking is so crucial. I think networking is so crucial and, and making those connections. But then, like, w one thing that I always am is curious. But the, the problem is that I don't know what I don't know. And so uh, to me, I feel like that's why it's so important to, to have those conversations with people who do know a little bit more than, than I do. But then also, like I said, reciprocate and make sure that I'm providing value in some way, shape, or form. I think, too, the other thing that, that I need to cultivate a little bit more is just a, an appreciation for what I have to offer. And sometimes I get caught up in, well, you know, you're a straight white male and you don't have kids. You've never been married. Really, what's your experience? Really, what's your adversity have you faced? That kind of thing. So I get caught up in that a little bit too. And so I have to check myself and say, you know what? There's an audience still for that. And, you know, it may not resonate with everybody and you might not be everybody's cup of tea, 
but you might be somebody shot a bourbon. And I have to make sure that I give credit to Rich Bracken for that because he was a guest on our show. And I remember when he said that, and I was like, oh, I really like that. I really like that idea of you're not going to be everybody's cup of tea, but you might be somebody shot a bourbon. So shout out Rich Bracken for for that statement right there because it's true. And like I'm a recovering people pleaser, very much so. And I think that's why being a dean was so difficult to me is because – I just wanted to I just wanted to make people happy. I just wanted to help people grow. And and when they're when they would have visceral reactions to to what I was sharing with them or you know the bad news that I was delivering that was really hard. That was really hard. And so working on being less of a people pleaser and and just kind of and taking action and believing in that action. But at the same time, in order to take action, I need to develop more discipline and more consistency. And I think once I develop that discipline and consistency, then you're going to be more prolific, right? I just saw this post the other day that I really liked. And it was something about, you know, if you produce something and, and, you get haters, produce more of it. Produce more of it because you're just going to continue getting better at whatever it is, and more and more people are going to resonate with it. And and that I summarize that very poorly, but but it it really it 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 resonated with me. It's just like now you know there everyone's going to not everyone, but there are going to be people out there who just shoot you down because they got nothing better to do rather than focus on that focus on the mission focus on on the people who are quietly supporting you people will it's easy to loudly criticize and but those aren't the ones to listen to listen to the ones who are quietly supporting you and i get a lot of text messages that are sent just to me saying hey you're doing a great job. Keep up the good work. And that's what keeps me going because that's the affirmation. I'm a words of affirmation guy. So I like I like when people are saying, hey, you're doing a great thing. Keep it up. And so that that motivates me to want to to do more. And I think that's why it's important to like a guy like me who who does enjoy words of affirmation, who does enjoy quality time. It's why it's important for me to network. It's why it's important for me to socialize with people because, you know, I, I want to continue providing value and I want to get feedback about whether or not what I'm producing, what I'm, what the content that I have, is it, is it of value? And if it is not, what is it that I can provide for you? Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. I love that. The value exchange is so key to um, kind of what this all is started with networking, right? Like if you don't have a value vehicle, if you don't have that heart to exchange value or really add value first, you're not going to network well. But awesome, Billy, that is all we got for you today. We're running a little short on time. So is there anything else you want to chat about real quick before we sign off? 
No, if people if people like what they heard here, give me a follow on Instagram at mindful underscore midlife underscore crisis. You can go to Apple Podcasts, go to Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, you can listen to the episode. If you're looking for a starter pack, you know, shoot me a message. You can email me at mindfulmidlifecrisis at gmail dot com too. It, it, I would. I'm really looking forward to developing this mindfulness business and 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 I even hate to say mindfulness business because then it feels like I'm you know you'd think of mindfulness in in corporate they don't seem to really go together but to me mental health is a business mental health should be the number one business that you are trying to grow and and I really believe that mindfulness is a great place to start. Mindfulness might not be for everybody. I get that. But for me, like mindfulness not only changed my life, but it most likely saved my life too. And we're always practicing something, whether it's jealousy, whether it's hate, whether it's love, whether it's understanding, we're always practicing something. And so we should be wanting to practice something that continues to help us grow mm. and and mindfulness is something it is a tool in the toolbox it's not the only tool but it is a tool in the toolbox that can help us reflect learn and grow so that we can live a more purpose-filled life so that we can enjoy more aspects of life and so if that's something that interests people, shoot me a message. Let's let's connect, listen to a few episodes, see if you you like the cut of my jib, so to speak. And uh and uh, I'd I'd love to I'd love to connect. I'd love to provide value and I'd I hope we are able to reciprocate value for each other. There we go. Well, Billy, thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Of course, and if you guys are listening to this and you loved what Billy had to say, make sure to check out the show. All the links to check them out on the podcast and on social media will be down in the show notes. Thank you guys for watching. We will see you on the next one. And on that note, we're out. Guys, thanks for listening. Make sure to reach out to our guests and help them accomplish their dreams and goals if you resonated with them. If you're looking for any intentional masterminds or one-on-one -on -one coaching to accomplish your dreams and goals, make sure to check out the website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, and contact me either there or on social media. That's all I got. Have a blessed day.